Hello. Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Sunday stream of the crowd. Hi. <laughs> I don't know how to do the Sunday stream itself, but hi. Hey, everybody who's here. Yo. What's going on? Hi. Uh, yeah, so this is the Sunday stream, which is basically just sort of a deep dive slash kind of talk about whatever um, for the crowd. We have a lot of content that we fit into Tuesday. And there's a lot of people who can't always join us as well. So we try to make it so that everybody has a chance to kind of come on, talk, listen live, and interact. So last week, we talked quite a bit about getting a job, which is something that a lot of people have trouble with, uh, depending on, you know, if you are a, uh, like if you feel like you're not, I guess, qualified enough, or you're trying to break into a certain field that might, a lot of people might be trying to get into, or you don't think that you can get into you know, a higher, more badass position because you don't know enough. Yeah, it's interesting to see all the different perspectives on it and see how people actually, what people actually wanted. We talked to, we talked to Frack, Freck, CyberSec Stu, CyberSec Ricky, and a bunch of other people about um, about this and had some other special guests to kind of discuss as well, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, did anybody have anything to add to that? I know that you were listening for a while after I fell asleep. But <laughs> yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really good show, and uh, and the after, the after show was really interesting. It went on, you know, in, into the late evening. I was sitting there listening to it. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. I was up, I was up at a, a rafting camp, flying, flying my drone, and uh, so I didn't, I didn't want to talk much because I was just on a, a little laptop. But yeah, it was all, it was all really good info. It was all it was all pertinent to me, you know, because I I don't have a job in infosec, you know. I I um was working in IT for for the last like five five years or so, and um you know I think I I I feel like maybe some of the stuff is um similar because I had a hard time actually getting into IT, which was which was. I, you know, lo- looking back, I think it's really weird that it, it was so hard getting into it, but it, you know, it was like, maybe it had something to do with the recession, you know, at the time and stuff, but, uh, yeah, it was a really good show. It was a lot of good info for me personally. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It's definitely something that a lot of people just 
I don't know. It's it's, it's it seems like a lot to have to deal with, and and people. I mean, me. I've only been in the tech industry for about a year now, and I'm just moving into security space now. And like having done all this in a short period of time, like I myself was very very like worried that I wouldn't be able to get into it because <clears throat> I mean I didn't have like any certs or any educational experience. I just had like bug reports that I had written, and you know, and it's like. That only gets you so far with the right people if they understand the significance of that. But if you go to like a general like, you know, IT position and you just say, "Hey, I don't have anything, but here's a bunch of uh, IoT bugs I found." Like they're they're gonna be like, "Okay, what does that mean that you can like administer Office 365?" You know, like it doesn't really. It's hard to translate and understand the importance of some skills or things that you might do. Yeah, I um. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of what I heard on on Tuesday, um, I I think you know they they were sort of uh, lamenting. Someone someone was about like you know how do you like how do you take like a a junior pen tester and like make them make them see the bigger picture. And uh, I know like the degree like you know degrees in infosec is sort of you know, a contentious sub subject, but I'm, I'm in school right now. <clears throat> and I've, I've learned, I've learned a lot from some of those really boring classes that I've had to take in the last, in the last little bit, like, um, like risk management. Yeah. For example, yeah. Was, you know, just so super tedious, but by the end of, by the end of the class, you know, I had a much better understanding of, how to tell um you know how to justify to the people in charge that they're gonna have to spend money because that's always been hard for me yeah it's definitely hard i mean like i one of the things that i, I realized that i struggle with uh is just knowing how to tell somebody that you know what you're talking about or at least like at least like make it a make it apparent that you are confident in what you're saying because a big thing that I've had to, to do is, is try to make suggestions about things and try to justify certain things, um, like me getting involved in something or, or helping with, like, say, I don't know, patch management or addressing a new CVE that might have come out. And it's it's hard sometimes to have confidence in yourself to have the – to say, I know what I'm talking about when I'm saying, you know, that Spectre and Meltdown bugs are, are something that we need to address in our Cisco products or whatever, you know, like – being able to say like this is what we need to do or this is something that is important and needs to be looked into it's just it's tough sometimes because if you're newer and you know you see people who are you know have been in the field for 15, you know 15 20 25 years doing all this stuff in there you know know how to set up everything with the back of their hand it's hard sometimes to feel like you know what you're talking about um, especially if you're younger you know sort of the great years take control or you feel like you, you give them a little bit, you put them on a pedestal a little bit too much sometimes. When you realize that sometimes a younger, younger perspective, different perspective is completely valid as well. Hey, we, we never did uh, introductions. Oh yeah, well because we had people coming in late, we still have some more people that are gonna be coming in soon. No, not Dan is en route. Um, but yeah, we can do introductions real quick. Um, I am you, the host here. And you are me. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I guess who else wants to just, I guess we can blurt it out. I don't know who's actually listening or who's on right now because some people were having audio issues. Uh, so my name's Six. Hi, Six. My, name, my name's Cal. Hello, Cal. My name is ZLZ. I don't know if this works, but I'm paying. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was, that that was, was a fucking silent film, man. Holy that was shit. like a deep fried theme as a voice. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Read Me? What's up? Oh yeah, I'm reading. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. <laughs> so yeah, we do we do the Sunday streams to just sort of like discuss a little, uh, you know, kind of just go off topic a little bit about the certain topics that we were getting into because we all have a lot to say and get super excited about stuff. So it's important to kind of have some time to. We've had a week. We can you know debrief, decompress, and then kind of collect our thoughts instead of having this sort of a. Uh, maniac streams that we usually have when we start shooting out info. So yeah, but does anybody else have anything to say about last week's episode or anything you might have learned or anything that, you know, was important to you or something that might have changed? I wasn't actually around for last uh, last week's episode, so... Oh, yeah. Um, we just talked to a bunch of people about getting a job, like sort of myths, rumors, what not to do, what to do. Um, and actually, I wanted to wait a little bit more to compile our notes, but we have some really good notes from and suggestions from last week. Uh, that we're... Uh, what I'm actually loving about what you guys are doing here is that even if you come on here to talk, you actually learn a lot as well. Yeah, no, we try to get everybody in here. Like We, we see a lot of things like podcasts or talks or, or group sort of webinars where it's kind of like a couple people leading the discussion. We kind of come on here and try to have everybody be on the same level, like playing field, because we're all here on both on Discord. Nobody's, you know, some special like you know elite thing that can shut everybody off. Like it's pretty like egalitarian. So we try to make it so that everybody can kind of put their voices together, because we've we've learned a lot from some people who you know you might not suspect are somebody who might know a bunch about something, and you know we're just having everybody on the same playing field. So thanks. It's great because there's subjects that I can contribute a lot to and there's subjects I can't contribute to. And I learned a lot of that from you guys, especially the job stuff, seeing as I've just turned 18, I start university stuff Oh yeah. Uh, in, in the coming months. It'd be nice to get some tips before I actually have to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So are you going to school for computer science? Uh, yes, I am. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so we were talking about that a little bit too, of like what sort of, what education is actually important for this kind of thing. And it's kind of been kind of mixed because some people here we were talking to drop out of high school. And then some people, you know, got master's degrees in, in, in things like they have to do computer science and then get degrees in, you know, forensics or, you know, uh, cybersecurity management or, or, you know, anything else like that. Um, and go on further, some people do doctorates in like cryptography and reverse engineering things. And so it's interesting to see how education plays a role because it, I think that in a lot of cases, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, like if you don't get your degree in cyber, cyber or uh, computer science, it's not the end of the world, you know? Like some degrees like medicine, like if you don't get your, your degree in, in, uh, in, you know, actually practicing medicine, you're probably screwed, you know? But cybersecurity and, and computer science is one of those things that luckily you can learn a lot on your own and um, be able to apply, which is good because that means you can supplement all of your knowledge with other things and be able to have that coincide with things yeah, that you I, 
I didn't really know what path to take, so to say, because like when it comes to like web exploitation and stuff, you know, I've already learned a lot and, you know, I won't actually learn these things at university. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't know what path to take because I know on the courses that I'm going to have to take, I already know the stuff that uh, I'm going to be taught. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of, uh, one of the things that I, I think is the most important about college or any sort of schooling is learning, I guess, I guess what it teaches you to do is learn a process. This is something that Readme and I were talking about when going through OSCP stuff is like you learn how to approach a problem rather than, it's like teaching a man a fish rather than just giving him a fish, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it would teach me how the industry itself works instead of just the, just the internet, if that makes sense. Yeah, the industry but, is completely different to, you know, sitting on Twitter and talking to other people that have the same interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it teaches you how to, like, sort of organize your ideas and, and not waste your time on the little things. Like, you know, i done a lot of CTF, same with README, and we've done a lot of, uh, you know, know all the little tricks here and there to get, you know, get root on whatever you need to. But when it comes to, like... Uh, doing something from a professional perspective, it's difficult to organize because when you do a CTF, you're doing like one thing at a time. You know, if you're doing a bug bounty, you're doing like, you're trying to focus on one thing at a time. If you're doing a professional pen test, you're doing an entire company's network. You're doing all of their digital assets and that's overwhelming, like to say the least. Like, and it's, it's very frustrating to try to, you know, come at it with a, a perspective of, of somebody who only does one thing at a time instead of being able to see the whole picture, figure out what's relevant, and then go into it. So I definitely think that, like, going to school and getting any sort of education just is helpful in that it teaches you how other people think as well because you don't, like, you're only, like, stuck in what you are, what you have learned on your own. But if you see other people in pro- like working or you hear other people's advice, like, oh, do this instead of wasting your time on this, like, it's all about just streamlining, you know? Yeah. I think people underestimate their, well, overestimate their ability, so to say. People think that they know everything, but you actually, you know, you always learn new things from everything. So I think people just need to open up a little bit. Absolutely. That's one of the things we were talking about, too. We we're saying that it's it's better to be the person who knows the least in the room, because then you learn the most and gain the most from whatever conversation that you're in. So I don't know. I totally agree with that. I think that definitely people should kind of, put down some egos when they can because it's 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 helpful it's not even just like uh oh shut up you're being you know you think you know everyone knows different things about different things you know you'll always learn something from someone else that you didn't know yeah so it's good to just come at conversations and and jobs and everything as you can learn something from it and it's definitely more positive to think like that too if you go on and think that everything is just a waste of time then you're not going to have any fun with anything yeah I think you really got to learn to ask questions for things you don't understand. It can be like really uncomfortable to admit, uh, you know, if everybody's talking in a room and they say something that to them is really basic and it's just kind of in the flow of the conversation, you have no clue what they're talking about. Like, it's it's really uncomfortable, but like learning how to ask questions is probably one of the best things you can do, especially in industry and like college and things like that. Because I guarantee you, like, I don't know, just the little things that you learn here and there and just like little simplicities, like I guarantee you, uh, it's kind of like the thing where, uh, you learn what a word means, and then the next week you see it used, even though like it's it's not necessarily that uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is like you pay attention to it, you learn a thing, but like the more and more you do that, the more stuff you're gonna eventually learn, and like the better adapted I think you're gonna be, but just breaking past that like little uncomfortableness, 
Yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable, but something that we, that's what we were saying, you know, before we're trying to get everybody, especially on here, on the same page and not flaming each other for not knowing what something is, because especially like cybersecurity is so vast. There's so much that we, that, you know, I just, I would love to learn so much that I do have no idea about. And then, you know, there's people that come on saying, oh, I'm just like God of like cybersecurity or God or whatever, <laughs> but like, realistically, like you, you know, you don't know how like there's going to be gaps in your knowledge i mean there's people who specialize just in banking software like exploitation <laughs> people who only specialize in scada and like plcs and people who only specialize yeah. in, in hardware cryptography and breaking you know hardware cryptographic tokens like you're never going to be able to ever master everything it's impossible and it, it, it would even if you're a, a you know a jack of all trades it's still like you have to be aware of that too you know you have to be like i have all this stuff but there's still going to be things that i'm going to miss because there's things that you're going to gravitate to but things that are probably pretty boring that you're not going to pay attention to you know like um i don't know there's a couple of things that i you know i'll get brought up to me at work i'll get brought up to me in, in chatting and i'm just like i have no fucking idea what that is you know but it's good to also know who knows yeah, about it's that better that to you be honest man a network, but it's good. It's good to have a network, though, of people that you can say, "I don't know about SCADA hacking, but I know someone who does." So if you have a question about it, here, direct resources. So yeah. good to be a, a good resource hub rather than somebody who claims to be this like oracle of, of all knowledge of, of hacking because it's it's stupid and you look like an idiot when you say that. And it's, it's completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people approach it like sort of the wrong way. Like there's this uh, pyramid of knowledge that you can get to the top two, and like InfoSec is a uh, it's like a tangible like thing that you can finish with and realistically like infosec is like a very very continuous and like very involved process where like everything's changing all the time so you're always learning and you're never going to like complete it you know quote unquote yeah. and yeah well you definitely see that a lot. yeah go ahead, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so like you definitely see that a lot you know in websec because a lot of people in websec think they know everything but then there's always going to be this like really esoteric method that they don't know, right? And then they're they're not they're afraid of you know exposing that they don't know all these things because they're afraid to look stupid. And I think that's one of the main issues here is that people are afraid to look dumb. So it, it, you look at something like um, <clears throat> I, IoT, like I don't know a, a web a webcam or something that's running like a web server, and you know it, like you could come at it from like a websec perspective and look for like you know I don't know whatever injection cross-site scripting and stuff but then like there's people out there with electrical engineering degrees that have come that can come at it from the complete other side of the device you know from from the metal up and it's a complete I mean there's I don't know like if if you do know both sides of that like I, I feel like that's sort of like the goal is like you know try you know, try to be as well-rounded as, as you can be. But yeah, I mean, the, it's tough. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I like, I don't know. I try to come at it from, I try to be able to talk to people who have different perspectives on things. And I think that it's really important to include that and be aware of the fact that everybody's perspective is different. Like even, even stuff on like a, on like a, a browser level you know we have people who you know i don't know how the ins and outs of how browsers work you know i know some things but there's people who 
who write these crazy, like, you know, like the, the JIT spring with, like, Flash and other things. You're just like, what the fuck? Like, how did you come up with that, you know? And there's stuff that's, like, it's so cool. And you think about it, and you're like, this is so out of my realm of knowledge. But being able to talk to those people and be able to understand, like, their methodologies and how they approach problems is definitely cool. And it's something that I think that we should implore all people who listen to this that, you know, you're not going to know everything. And people who know, we know that are way smarter than all of us here would say the same thing is that you don't know everything and that you should try to stay humble, especially when getting a job too, because you got to look at when you are getting into a job that you're going to join a team and that you're going to be able to do that resource uh, managing and delegation and being able to ask questions. And to me, I don't know, when I join a job, it's exciting because I think, wow, all these people here are really about what they're talking about. And it's cool that I would get to know about it. Like, I got to learn a lot about machine learning things in my first internship that I did. And I think that, like, doing, you know, cloud, machine learning, neural networks, like, all that kind of stuff, like, I have, still have no idea about it. But I got exposed to a lot of concepts about it, and I was able to, like, be able to connect the dots on certain things because I was able to expand my scope a little bit more. And so, so oh, no, we, we, we got a question about uh, what are some of the things you believe people should have before applying to an intro level infosec job oh yes we were actually discussing this and we were trying to think of like what the fundamental skills were and we were saying that you should take a look at what are some of the things that are you should take a look at all the uh, sort of uh, job descriptions and, and what they're asking for because some people for depends on what type of job you're doing if you're doing entry level infosec like an soc kind of thing, it might be asking you, do you have experience with, you know, looking at logs or how to, you know, parse, uh, you know, giant amounts of data and put it into like, you know, to get like one value or something like, or it might be something like web application security where, you know, it, it'll say something like familiarity with the OWASP top 10 or something like just being able to look at the scope of skills that, that are in what you are applying to is definitely good because there's a lot of different skills that you could focus on. But I think that being able to look at certain jobs in particular and what they are looking for is a good way to tailor your first, the way to get that first interview to be able to even ask, so what else do you guys do? Um, and and like and don't be afraid if you don't meet all of the qualifications. Absolutely, yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough part because some of the, uh, I mean, I, I saw one the other day. It was for, um, it was for AppSec. And they were like, you know, five years with Java, five years of C sharp, five years with this, five years of lifting heavy objects more than fifty pounds. I'm just like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, someone asked, how do you land an O'Day research gig? Uh, I mean, it depends on on the company they're looking at because there's multiple companies that that do that. There might be defense contractors as well that are doing that. And so, I mean, you just got to look around for, you know, malware researchers or security research jobs in general, and then look at their requirements. Because, I mean, it depends on what type of zero days you're looking into. If it's, uh, you know, app sec, web app sec stuff, you know, you're going to be somebody who's really, uh, really understands the landscape and the body of knowledge of web application exploits, which I think is a huge thing that people need to understand, too, is that when we, like, when you are trying to get into sort of security security research space, you have to be researching like a scientist. You have to know the body of knowledge before you contribute to it because you might find some sort of 
way to get around something, but it might have been found in 2003, and all you're doing is reinventing the wheel for something that you could have used as leverage to be able to do something even more advanced. And so being aware of the body of knowledge and also being aware of a lot of the lower-level things that are a part of what you are looking into is good. Like, say, the, the I was saying before, like JIT, like just-in-time compilers for browsers or you know, being able to understand if you're looking at binary exploits, understanding, you know, how to use those tools that you should be familiar with, like Radare 2 or IDA. Um, and so going through all that, like just being aware of the body of knowledge and being familiar with the process that comes with doing the research. So um, here's just a general question. Um, would, would you rather work, not necessarily you, but would you rather work uh, internally for uh, a company that has uh, an infosec position or with a company that does uh, like sort of contract uh, you know like like pen like pen testing work or like uh, review stuff because I feel like those I, there's I, I there's a big difference be, between those those two types of jobs yeah out there so I think one of the really cool things uh and this kind of falls back to bug bounty, but they're, the really, really cool thing about some of the new positions that are opening up with, uh, for example, Senac is there really isn't a any sort of prerequisites for applying to Senac to do, you know, quote unquote, contracting work for some of these companies. So you can, what you can do is, you, can, you know, you go, you submit your application and you answer some like real world questions, right? So like with, with the web app tests they have for Senac, they ask you things like, uh, here's a piece of code, it's vulnerable to something, can you write an explanation of, you know, what it's doing and what would be vulnerable to. So anybody can go really like learn that, right? If you code PHP or uh, Perl scripts or whatever, you can kind of identify the vulnerability. And like the really cool thing about that is you can do that completely on your own. And uh, some of the things obviously are, uh, you'd have to put a bit more time into. For instance, one of the hard parts would be uh, comprehensive English, you know, having the ability to write that all out. But I think when it comes to internal companies versus contracting, for beginner positions, it's really easy to kind of land contracting gigs if you're able to kind of uh, reach out to the right people and like just kind of say, hey, I fit this specific need. Because with a lot of internal positions, you're gonna be in charge of doing like tons of different things and maybe switch around positions a lot. And it's gonna be a lot less likely you're doing something very specific for a long period of time, where with contracting, you're doing something really specific for a short period of time. And it also lands you that, uh, I was hired by XYZ on your resume, which really helps get into other positions. So, I mean, just personally, I would suggest uh, contracting work. And even like outside of Bug Bounty, there's just a lot of really cool stuff. Like, uh, for instance, we have a DEF CON 402 chapter. And DEF CON 402 for us, uh, it's like 10% of recruiters and then 90% uh, InfoSec people. I mean, that's kind of a huge deal for like just that many recruiters is always kind of strange because they always started off saying, Hey, if you need a job or anything, reach out to us. We'll put you in a position. So you can kind of say, hey, you know, I've got, maybe I don't have a degree in uh, computer science, but I've done, you know, five years of specifically web app pen testing. And they'll say, oh, cool. This bank's looking for like a 30 hour a week uh, gig for like a short term project. Let's say they released a new website and I need someone to look at it. So, I mean, just from my perspective, I'd say uh, contracting work would be a really great fit. Yeah. I mean, it depends on like how you kind of what you're, what you're more about, I think, because if you do contracting work, you're, you're going to be doing a lot of different stuff all the time. But if you are somebody who likes to learn and who wants to be involved in seeing something through and actually developing a security policy that you need, 
um, doing internal is definitely really cool too. Uh, so what I'm going to be starting to do soon, uh, actually this week, um, is doing more internal stuff and, and developing tools to help do penetration testing as well as managing and, and developing and assisting in like the whole creation of a more secure pipeline for secure uh, development. And so it depends on if you want to be more of a if you like it, if you like development and you like to be in charge of sort of policy and you want to fight sea level people all the time, I would definitely go internal. But then if you want it to be more on the outside and just hit everything you can and, and learn that way, that's totally valid too. So yeah, I think I think contract work. Uh, uh, it's I, I wouldn't say it's like long term stuff. But I mean, like I see a lot of people who kind of start off with it. Uh, I don't think it's the best stuff. You don't get insurance, yada yada. But can I ask you? Uh, like, what was your, what was on your resume? How did you get that position? And like, uh, just kind of your background and how that went. I'm just kind of curious about that. For internal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you like kind of score that position? What was on your resume? Like, what's your? Uh, I'm just curious your background and stuff for that. Oh, I mean, so I I've been involved with this company for a little bit now, like about a year, and I this is like my first like real tech job. But when I came onto it, I showed them, I was like, okay, uh, here's, I don't really have any relevant experience, uh, I would think, but here's a bunch of, you know, bug reports and, and, and IoT stuff, and here's a bunch of, uh, you know, CTFs that I've participated in and, like, won certain things for, and here's uh, some other, like, I just showed them basically, like, a, a bunch of, of write-ups that I did. And so I also, my resume, I told, I came out on, uh, on netcat and you could uh you know netcat to my server and get my resume at this time but it was like password protected and all that and they, they were like impressed with just my general sort of way of going about stuff and so when i did this they were looking for somebody to get in is in, in to do like uh the devopsy kind of stuff infra and um, so I did that, and as I was going through, I was, you know, showing them, hey, I'm in, like, the FireEye CTF, or hey, I'm, like, you know, doing blah, 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 and they were just, I've, I've been able to express to them that I actually give a shit about security, and, you know, then taking OCP and doing other stuff like that kind of solidified it. So if you are somebody who, you know, is not sure how to get into stuff to do security. The other way, the real way in is to get in as a sysadmin or get in as a infrastructure or DevOps or, or network engineer person, and then show them that you care about security and show them that you, you know, would be able to bring value to the company and kind of see where those gaps are and stuff. And then you can move into more internal stuff, which is cool. Um, I don't know where ZLZ, ZLZ went. Yeah, it dropped <laughs> off. Yeah, um, that's fine. He'll, he'll be able to hear. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> um, as far as background goes, I don't know. I came from a psychology background, so I don't. I don't really have um, any computer stuff. But I mean, I was passionate enough about it to be able to get involved. And I don't know. It just depends on on where. I think I think creativity is a huge thing. And if you're somebody who is more inclined to be in the hacker sort of space, then you might be able to leverage some of your weird, funny skills. I mean, everything is is valid. Like they they like the ASCII art that I made, and they like all the you know other interesting things that I didn't think they would care about. And so I don't know, kind of just put yourself out there, put your like be confident. I'll t I'll tell you what won't get you a job at a school district 
is uh, connecting to their SMTP server and spoofing an email from the superintendent to the person <laughs> doing the interview. <laughs> yeah, that won't work. <laughs> That was that was a while that was a while ago. I decided that was that was actually before I got into IT. Um, <laughs> I was just, just desperate. Now, so <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, does anybody else kind of like who who here does work in the sort of security space? I feel like a lot of us here don't. We we all kind of. Just do it. <laughs> I know that ZLZ does, but I don't know where he went. So whenever he comes back, we'll ask him. Phone mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Phone mine in the chat if you want to discuss how you got into it, do the field and and uh, security in there. Um, you know, talk about it. It'll it'll be in our on our ledger here for the uh, on the stream itself. So, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the other things we, we talked about too was the importance of like networking and being and getting yourself out there. But it's tough when you're moving from you know this maybe maybe from the more gray area space of, of of hacking and trying to actually get a real job. It's tough because it's scary to put yourself out there. You know, if you're so used to hiding everything you do and living off of you know weird stolen creds and sketching, it's hard to to make yourself have a legit presence without looking like spam. <laughs> um, so I don't know if anybody has any sort of um, additional tips or anything on that. So, um, you know, like like I said before, I actually don't have a job in, in InfoSec right now. I'm looking, looking for a job, uh, or at least I plan, I plan on trying to have a job by, by the end of the summer, right? And um, you know, I, I did the, the sysadmin uh, network engineering thing, you know, for, uh, I did my time at a, an MSP, right, which is a managed service provider where you, uh, you know, you do IT for, it's it's like outsourced IT for smaller smaller companies that, that can't justify having internal uh, IT. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, um, that that's going to help. I have to assume that, you know, having, having that magic, like five years on my resume is, is going to help. And I don't, I don't have a good answer for alternatives to that, you know, because th that's definitely going to make me feel more confident when I'm trying, when I'm trying to get a, a job mm -hmm. if only because it says, Hey, here's a guy who can hold down a job for five years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so how's it going? By the way, first of all, hey, hey, sorry about that. I was getting a haircut. Um, <laughs> so you said five years um, for an entry level position into InfoSec, or is that five year mark for? Yeah, I mean, I well, the five years uh, is just sort of like the magic number that you see on every, um, you know, uh, job posting. Oh, you know, it's just always five years. You know, and so I'll be able to spread that five. You know. I'll be I'll be able to so, make a lot of specific uh, claims, you know, about about my skills. But you know, just even just having a job for for five years, I think it looks looks good when you're go, when you're applying for any job. I think experience absolutely helps and is like a huge 
a huge thing that uh, people value quite a bit. But I will say this, um, the, the job postings that are up are always uh, wildly um, expecting something that they're not going to get. So uh, asking for five years, that's kind of just a, I, I wouldn't even call it a suggestion. It's more of just a thing that they write <laughs> because it's, if you're asking for five years experience with Bitcoin back, uh, how many years ago, like six right. years ago now, you're not going to find that, but you would absolutely go through LinkedIn or whatever and see job postings asking for five years experience with this new technology that didn't even exist five years ago. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up on the actual amount of time. Um, if you can produce a resume that shows you have experience or at least an active interest, especially when it comes to security stuff. Like if we're talking any job though, if you, if you show a active um, interest in it, I think that's enough to get you in as long as you hit some key markers to get past the gate, um, which is HR. And that includes like radio stuff. Um, our, our, our guy Pike here does a ton of really cool stuff with radio. I would be willing to say he could probably get a job at any radio RF type company uh, if he wanted. <laughs> nope, actively looking right now. Hold on, let me actually try to figure out this. Uh, I'm, I'm actually mobile right now. I'm actually technically at work right now, but I'm cheating a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I yeah, uh, don't, don't see that as me being a disloyal employee. Whoever's listening, I'm just, we're just standing by right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it is Sunday afternoon, so. <laughs> I couldn't even do mobile. I was freaking, I was getting a haircut and my hair was actively fighting. I think it was, I was going to beat up the lady. Do certs help a lot on getting an infosec related job? What's that? Do certs help a lot on getting an infosec related job? I think it depends on the company. Um, I, so uh, the companies that I'm interested in working for and have worked for don't care. Um, um, they care about interest and it's kind of like an attitude thing almost where technical skills can be taught. Um, the basics are really good to have uh, and will put you at the top of the pile. But um, yeah, like CISSP is kind of a joke these days. And I, I know there's a bunch of people probably that have it and it's not a bad thing to have, but it's not like an automatic in by any means. Well, we were talking about this before, and it's something to really be aware of is that CISP is a management cert, and we're talking about how it's more about, you know, being able to do risk assessment and more sort of uh, higher level things rather than, you know, being the person in there to do the actual exploitation. And there's a key difference in that, and I think that that value, if you think about CISP as a hacking cert, then it's definitely a joke. Um, but I think that we've, we were, when we were talking to Frack and Freck and uh, CyberSex2, they were all saying that that's the way to consider it rather than just as, a, oh, like, you're a CISSP, like, cool, like, you know, like, what, the, the, you know that, like, there are vulnerabilities, but you may not know how to exploit them, you know. Um, but if you are somebody who's more higher level CISO type, I mean, or somebody who just is going to be 
more in the risk and compliance side, especially in larger organizations that have specifically compliance officers, um, it's definitely a good cert to have if you're going to go that route. Because not everybody needs to be, uh, you know, an elite hacker to be in the security space too. Because you can, if you do care about compliance and you like being able to check off boxes, then that's certainly something that you can do. That's true, uh, and and that's fair. I I just. Even with compliance, like I, I did NERC SIP compliance, uh, critical infrastructure compliance, mm -hmm. and um, I did not, I still don't have any actual certs. Yeah. Did. Um, and so it's not a must have, like it's a good thing to have. It, it'll never, it'll never get you put out of a job. Let's put it that way. Like don't think of CISSP as a bad thing, but it's not a requirement by any stretch of the imagination. And if it is a requirement for the job that you're looking at and you really feel like it is, start studying for it and write that on your resume. Currently studying for CISSP, have it scheduled for three months from now. And that shows active progress towards having the cert that's needed for that job. Don't lie about it. Stuff to add to that previous thing about coming in. Yeah, with no background, um, I, like this is my first security job. I've had it for a year and a half, and uh, I didn't have any previous security experience, not professional anyways, just shit posting on Twitter and taking things apart in my free time. A big, big deciding factor for a lot of people is write-ups on things and what you've contributed. And if you don't have any previous experience, you have nothing to offer. Well, on paper, you have um, nothing to offer, but I know a lot of people do have a lot to offer, but anything that you do, do a write-up on it, even if it's something stupid. Absolutely. That's literally how I network. On your uh, resume, uh, refer to your um, experience and your, your Twitter, or how did you format that for a resume? I got involved with a bunch of, like, or a few different communities um, any way that I could. So, uh bottom of my resume to make up for lack of professional experience like android reversing anything like that anything that i could put any write-up that i did uh like medium or a blog uh anything like with all of the information consolidated even if it's stupid it's not stupid yeah yep. I agree. exactly so for us i did the same thing um, i was discussing that before and that's literally what got me a job is being able to say here's some write-ups i did so here's not only me doing the research and trying to contribute, but shows that I can effectively communicate the reason why this is a risk or the reason why this happened and be able to suggest mitigation strategies on multiple different things, whether it's like web for like, say, on SQL injection or I found like, a, you know, sort of a, something with IoT. Being able to show that you can communicate is a huge, huge thing. Yeah, communication is like, so, I mean, that, that gets into a whole thing about the process, but communication is paramount. Like you gotta be able to come out of your shell a little bit, even if it's just fake, um, you have to be able to sell yourself. That's what the interview and the job hunting process is. You're selling yourself. Um, read read into that negatively or positively, but <laughs> honestly, um, it's a fucking, it's a used car sales pitch, right? Like, so yeah, you, you have, have to, to be able to use that same skill too when you're when you're dealing with other people you know right. just to be able to sell an, an idea or sell some security you know product you know a solution that that's going to cost you know a lot of money you just have to be able to have that confidence 
as for the the people in the chat talking about ceh and stuff i wouldn't really recommend wasting your time with that i i recommend just studying and going for ocsp ocsp honestly hell yeah i agree and well, I, I think you need to... sorry go ahead well i think um at least in america uh ceh is is required for um all uh government uh info set work this so you may you may need to have that doomed the government's are you doomed. Serious? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking insane are you serious that sounds stupid yeah pretty sure someone can correct me but i'm pretty sure that like you, you know it's it's not a bad idea to also get your ceh just just saying i've, I've never had ceh or yeah or it, it, honestly i just with the government uh, it's a meme, man. It so really I just does. looked on like the federal listings for like security jobs and stuff like that just a couple of days ago. Yeah, nothing recommended actually CEH. They're just asking for people with experience. And honestly, like the biggest requirement for that is just having a security clearance. And all that means is you pull out this 120 page piece of paper that actually lists and outlines like 10 years of your life and just make sure that you're actually a non-lying person and also you have a piece of credit so you can't be exploited by uh, other government agencies. Uh, like you know what? Foreign Let's talk about that for Oh, shoot. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, I was talking over you. Mike, what was that last part? Oh, I'm just saying they just want to make sure that you're not going to be uh, like a foreign agent later in life. You're in some spies going to actually say like, hey, dude, your life sucks. I'll give you money if you give me information. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of like a whole subtopic, though, is clearance. I know especially in kind of like the darker quote hat communities uh, working for the man or fed or whatever is like a bad thing, but um, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like you can work for the government. You might need to have clearance just because you like hacking and stuff, or maybe have committed crimes in the past or like weird shit. Um, it, it, none of this stuff actually precludes you from getting a, a clearance. Like, honesty, I'm pretty sure, is the best answer to getting cleared. Um, like, and it, it, honesty about the right things, which is the things that can be leveraged to use against you. And so if you're looking for a job in government for whatever reason, whatever's wrong with you, um, <laughs> feel, feel free to uh, just not lie on the... Uh, <laughs> because they will find out. <laughs> yeah, they will. And, also, they really will. and also, the government is really desperate for qualified people right now. So, I mean, they honestly pay about like 70% less than what private. That's probably just a bullshit number. I know it is. But you can know. you can get government jobs fairly easily if you just if you just look it up and try and just jump through the right hoops. It's not hard. Yeah. Just, I, uh, I, no, sorry. Carry on. Go ahead, dude. Just know if you are going to apply for some sort of security clearance, they are going to dig into your life. So it's not even worth, you know, wasting your time trying to lie because if there is something, they will know about it. And it depends. There are, and, and there are almost waivers for just about everything. Yeah, for real. Like that. And so if there's not a waiver for it, there's a third party contractor willing to, uh, take on that risk for lots of money and then you get paid through a third-party contractor instead just go near the nsa building you'll find all of the contractors with their signs saying that they're hiring 
<laughs> no, for real. Like, there's Boeing, like, Booz Allen. Like, they almost always have, like, guys and, and like, posters out there, like, looking for new hires and stuff. I'm, I'll say this without attributing it to anybody. I've heard that there is definitely a, uh, like, a waiver or a not caring attitude in higher impact uh, government positions for things like drugs. Um, they will look the other way. Uh, that your mileage may vary on that. I wouldn't suggest lying about it on a poly, though, um, because as much as a polygraph is kind of pseudoscience, they do um, they do still exist, and they're still relied on by the government. So for like the drugs and stuff like that, don't, yeah, don't don't fuck around with polys. They're they're not fun. So like for for things like like drugs and whatnot, it, first of all, you kind of classify it by depending on what it is. Um, things like like marijuana, it like they'll look to see how it is in your state because they understand in some states it's perfectly fine. You know, it's not shunned upon, and you know if you have a medical card, like that's there, there are tons of considerations to it. That's interesting. So, has anybody on the Discord been through the process since weed started getting legalized in states? Like, honestly, <laughs> well, a fucking age me, but I well, haven't ever is, gone through. This it. is not for a government job, but. When I went to apply for the job that I have now, I had to take a drug test, and I was really shocked that I had to because it's not a government job. I don't have to like do any driving or anything. Like I, I had done jobs before where you, you know, if you do like any driving or any sort of like anything that you have to be like conscious for, where it's illegal to be like high while you do it, um, you know. So I was I was shocked that this kind of job had nothing to do with that. I had to take one, so I had to go to GNC and uh, drink a bunch of water. <laughs> but it sucks. It, it, but it's hard if you do, like, say they do strand testing, and it's just in your hair. I, I have a beard, so I'm screwed. Yo, saving grace with that is those testings are really expensive. Dude, yeah, for real. Like, they, I, I'm convinced most drug testing places that they send your sample to don't actually do it. I swear to God, I'm like, I've had. I've had dirty tests where I know it's dirty. <laughs> like I smoked on the way. <laughs> I, was, I was younger and stupider. <laughs> and I, so I, and I'm like, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens. And I got the job. And so, it, never, it was like a four year. I think there's an excellent answer to that. Uh, a lot of the budget ones, they will combine multiple samples together so that they can, you know, only do one test on, on the batch. And then um, if something gets flagged, they'll then, Dig through each one. Yeah. Um, and these guys test, so. Yeah. It's like CDMA, and it's using like a fucking XOR process because you got multiple signals on top of each other. Jesus Christ, what the hell? Hey, man, it, it reduced the amount of tests needing to be done. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If, you're, yes. if your percentage <laughs> so, isn't too high. Fucking world we live in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you've got to for for a quick second. The mechanics of it are they look for creatine, color, uh, temperature, and Something else, and the reason I'm I'm going into this right now is because I don't really mind drug users in the community. So fuck it. If if you can circumvent a drug test to get a cool job, and you're not like fucking around and being an asshole uh, at work and making things worse, you should absolutely have a good job. Who cares what you do in your personal time? But yeah, uh, passing drug tests, use the pee clean stuff if you need to. Um, it works. Yeah, if you live in a terrible state, do that. Um, it it tends to work. I think everybody on here 
will say that they know somebody that it worked for. <laughs> <laughs> and don't try to uh, bring in fake pee. It's really the sketchiest thing you can do. Agreed. It's not good when they find out you have a fake pissing apparatus. Nope. <laughs> you have a fake penis. <laughs> <laughs> find out it's a swab test and you got to figure out how to get it into your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you just you can do it <laughs> this is, uh... you guys should try uh, pushing for some gender diversity situations there <laughs> yeah wow yeah well so uh, for for any ladies that might be listening that actually makes it easier for you just to be honest like in blunt, <laughs> it i've I've had many coworkers in the past uh, that have used alternate methods. <laughs> alternate methods. Yo. It wasn't shady. No, clearly no, no. They passed on their own merit. <laughs> I remember it's hypothetical. <laughs> yes. Right. Um you played the uh disclaimer, right? You <laughs> <laughs> this is all for educational purposes and is research only. Yes. <laughs> oh man um anyways yeah so uh, getting into really kind of secure jobs uh especially uh, i'll put it out there for government you don't want to like fuck around with the p tests because i actually don't know what the legality of that is that might be considered lying to the government and you don't yeah. want to do that no nah, you're fine they just don't hire you oh okay uh lie to the government or they everybody. fire you <laughs> <laughs> really that's how it works it's like oh you failed bye honestly yeah, that's why like <laughs> <laughs> the easiest thing to do is just take legal drugs. Like, ask your doctor for some shit. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Dan, you are not a good influence. <laughs> oh, darn it. I mean, don't do drugs, obviously. Don't do K2. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that happened to me one time uh, was for not a job in general. I forgot to tell them that I had a prescription for Adderall. And, or no, I did tell them I had a prescription. The nurse didn't write it down and sent in the wrong form and had put her own name as my number, or her own number as my number for the thing. So then the job was trying to call me back, and they couldn't reach me because they were calling her, and she wasn't answering. And uh, then I almost didn't get the job until the boss of the job called me and said, yo, did you, like, fail this drug test because you have amphetamine in your body? Drugs. Yeah, she sucked. I was so mad because I almost didn't get it, and I was like, cool. Like, I almost got screwed over by this. So, yeah, watch out for that yeah I, actually so that's that's kind of a good quick segue into sending follow-up thank yous like mm-hmm. it sounds like you might have known um your employers in some way and they yeah. called you and asked you what the fuck's going on you goddamn junkie but, yeah um if you don't have that that uh thing if you don't have a connection with the employer that you're going for um send a send a thank you for your time on the interview, blah, 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 a week later. And mm-hmm. that might inspire them to reach out to you and say, hey, um, so yeah, about that job that you're going for, mm-hmm. uh, there was some complications. Can you call our HR department and figure that out? Yeah. And I guess the LDR is always kind of send that follow-up because I've had it totally be the uh, delineator between getting back and not. I've had that be the case for myself in a, in a past job where I sent them a follow-up and I, you know, I called them and thanked them again. And um, the next day I got a phone call, Hey, do you have time for a second interview? And, you know, come in. And as soon as I did, they pretty much just said, how much do you want to work here? And gave you the job right there. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. 
So always, always follow up. You know, even if you know them, you know, because in in one case, like I knew the guy who helped me on that place, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, to Dan's point, always always follow up. Yeah, yeah, nothing to lose. Right? Exactly. There's not a right. and not a lot of candidates do it. Honestly, not a lot of people take the five fucking minutes to write a two two three sentences tops. Not a lot of people do it, and it'll set you apart. Yeah, well, I had a couple of things to add about the requirements for a job, like the stupid requirements that you see on some of the job listings. And when What's you that? see something that's outrageous, a lot of the times it's HR. It's not nobody technical came up with that job description. It was an HR person looking up the job title and what requirements should be met. And they're literally just copying and pasting from forums into the job rec. So that shit is usually a wish list anyway. So even if you don't meet a lot of the requirements, don't don't not apply. Unless it's like, I don't know, a high-level senior security consultant and you're a junior and you're just – it's a wish, a wish list of things they want, but they're not always going to get what they want. Yeah, that's the word yeah. I was looking for earlier, by the way, is wish list. That's that's all these job postings typically are, is a wish list. Don't, don't fall into the trap of uh, getting discouraged. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say discouraged as well as, you know, especially for like the junior guys – you know, when, when they're seeing some of these things where it's like, you must have five years doing this and this and this. I mean, you know, to the point earlier, you know, not you shouldn't flood people, but at the same time, it's kind of a, what do you have to lose? You know, maybe they'll have an alternative position as well. I mean, again, if it's somewhere you're, you're serious about working at, you'll be serious about applying. Yeah, I, I can speak from experience at a, at a few places. Uh, the interview process was not exactly only for the job that you applied for. Uh, meaning they the interviewers were looking out for talent that could be placed in other positions. I had that a couple of times and it was strange. Yeah, it's good though. Like it, it, it cuts down on the need to force you through this whole path again. If you, if you notice somebody is like a really good at being a Cisco network engineer, and you know that that team needs it. Um, you can just refer them over and be like, look, we already interviewed them. You can cut right to the actual face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Um, so, so about face-to-face, -face, uh, I had something I was thinking about while I was yeah. uh, getting my fucking insanely long haircut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so inter interview techniques, like, uh, one piece of it that I think is really important is personal appearance. Um, like, like it or not, that's kind of a thing. If you're, uh, if you're being honest with yourself, like that's something that it's a whether or not how small it is, it's something that's taken into account. And so, uh, if you're if you're dressing extremely, um, like suit and tie, for a place that clearly is not a suit and tie place feel free to just like kind of try and blend in a little better. And I'm sure somebody else on here can probably say what I'm trying to get at easier, but know the company that you're interviewing at and applying for, like know what their culture is. Yeah. The culture, like learning the culture is definitely huge. Like that's something that was hard for the job that I have now where I came in my first day dressed very professionally and everyone was in like shorts and a t-shirt and I was like sweating. Everyone's like, I don't know why you're dressed like that. You know? But <laughs> yeah, and it's not—it's not like it's going to be held against you. No, it's just 
it's like a thing though it's if you're if you're already kind of one of them when you're talking to them yeah it makes it easier to gel and it makes it easier to be uh it's just one less thing to worry about honestly that is the culture fit marker on the resume yeah Yeah, i don't think they're allowed to say that anymore though well yeah and we we still do it internally in in most uh, companies in the review process but yeah i don't know if they publicly say that to the candidate i don't so it's not it's not uh anything that is actually taken into account from my experience because i've definitely i've interviewed people that both come in adjusted and not like people that are way insanely overdressed right and uh it doesn't it's not a problem like if your skills are there that's really what counts skills and and kind of culture fit uh for just had a uh sorry karen go ahead man no, I didn't. I thought you were finished there. Sorry. Well, you just cut me off, so I figured you had. Something <laughs> to, uh, no, uh, we have a question in the chat. Someone asked, "What does a pen tester's salary look like?" Ooh, it depends on where you live. Yeah, that we was that to... was one topic that um, on the last uh, Thug Crowd was there wasn't really a solid answer on that. Like, like what you know, what should an entry level pen tester maybe be asking oh. for? I'll tell you from the Bay Area, California, so San Francisco, San Jose, generally the Silicon Valley area, you're probably looking at entry of 150 to 175,000 a year. Jeez, a minimum, and that's really low. Um, it, it's it's a crazy area though, so don't take that as a you can get this everywhere because you certainly fucking can't. <laughs> I got one in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Damn, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Right, can I work remote, please? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of companies hiring, um, but working remote, that is the key. A lot of them do say you got to be willing to relocate. Dude, I, it, I live in the Bay Area, and that's still uh, an impressive number. 150, <laughs> really? I, I think. <laughs> really? I think, well, no. Jesus, man, just rub it in harder, why don't you? <laughs> I was going to say, so pen testing specifically is a very niche job, though. Like, so if you're really good at pen testing, you can easily ask for 150 to start, I would say. So, like, over here, uh, like, East Coast-ish, so kind of like Virginia area, it, it really depends. Um, so, like, if you're kind of coming from, like, a sysadmin background, more of a junior-ish kind of pen testing rule i mean i've seen guys make forty-five thousand a year to sixty thousand to eighty thousand just to start um and, and again that's over on east coast usa and that makes that's that lines up with my experience on the east coast in new york uh more not new york city but outside of it i started at a junior role my first what i would consider to be really infosec position was like 45 a year so forty-five thousand a year with like good benefits and stuff though yeah i mean like in the bay area i mean you're i think even in california like after state and federal taxes i mean that's almost like 30 something percent so i mean like that's a, it's a huge thing is location too well so in the bay it's not uncommon to pay four thousand dollars a month for rent so you right. everything's literally times four for the bay so divide my 135 150 150 by four and that's probably what you can expect to get outside of the bay um and in more metro cities you you really should look at glassdoor and some other resources to get a feel for what that can net you 
here in the UK, you get paid a lot less as well. You get paid around for junior row. I'm pretty sure you get paid around like thirty-three thousand American dollars a year. Holy moly! Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. That's amazing. It, so thirty-three is just such a low number, being from the Bay. But I guess from from where I grew up and in other areas that weren't totally out of control. 33 is actually not bad. That's a good starting Yeah, rate. it's it's actually quite, quite good. It's it's above the average salary for someone in the UK, actually. It's, mm, um, okay, so that's... I don't know. Perfect. It just seems everything in the United States compared to the United Kingdom is very inflated, so to say. Yeah, I'm sure it won't cause any problems for us anytime soon. <laughs> I think you're, what, like 25 or 50 cents on the dollar anyway? Yeah. <laughs> It's nice to get some uh, hard answers out of that because, yeah. you know, like like I said, moving from um, just like general IT to InfoSec, which is what, you know, what I want to do because, you know, it's just what I want to do. You know, I'm looking at possibly taking like a pay hit, you know, just to go from, you know, this job that I know I can do to, to you know, the thing that I want to do. You totally should take the pay cut though. Like that's an investment in your future, for real. Yep, same boat. I think the bug bounty thing has really changed the value of pen testers, if whether we like it or not. Um, I think that uh, if you're working on bug bounties full time, you could at the top of the game, you could expect to make like one grand to three grand a week, which puts you at the fifty k to one fifty k um, value. In a, in a way, yeah, and that seems to be the ranges absolutely. in most countries outside of the bay. Thirty uh, percent lower is, seems to be the the max, um, which is about a hundred, hundred twenty grand, hundred thirty grand. I should I, I should qualify the number that I gave. By the way, that that's not an entry level number. That's a that's a mid tiered uh, senior level. But a lot of a lot of people that I interact with on uh, social media are, I would consider to be mid to high tier like experienced people analytics.twitter.com also to expand on uh, on the bug bounty angle definitely mention that when you do your interview if you are doing bug bounties oh. do not like forget to put that on there or mention yeah. it yeah man that's a really good We're putting your profile link on to, for you know bug crowd or open or open bug bounty or hacker one any of those are, are good for that that's, that's actually uh, brings up an interesting topic, which is exclusivity. How many people have encountered that? Basically, it's a clause within your um, employment agreement saying you can't work with anybody else for you know whatever reason. You are all there. Yeah, like a non-compete uh, agreement. Rumble. Yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a thing. So and where I it, live, though, you can throw those in the trash. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh. It, Interesting. I, know, I, I wonder. They don't, they, don't, they don't hold California? up most of the time. Yeah, oh, the, interesting. The non uh, compete, at least in California, is basically trash. But I think the exclusivity nice. thing might be legit. I'm not sure. I think it, so. If you're if you're entering a company where exclusivity is is the norm, whether or not it's legal, uh, if it's if it's the norm, it's the norm, right? And so you're going to be rubbing people the wrong way uh but if it's illegal to hold you do that then it is i don't i actually don't know what the law is anymore they changed it recently i think you can oh, so 
I mean, PSA, fucking in California, you're absolutely allowed to talk about your salaries um, with anybody. And your employer is not even allowed to hint that it's against regulation. Like they can actually get fined for that. So uh, feel free to talk to people a little more openly about salaries um, because it's it only helps us. Um, and by us, I mean the, the people that are kind of looking for jobs and looking the little people instead of the corporations, right? Man. Agree with you, but definitely always be careful with that stuff because a company will find a reason to shit on you, like and get rid of you. It it doesn't take anything. They'd be like, oh, we don't care that you told somebody about your salary, but you messed up the naming convention in the spreadsheet six months ago. Have fun. We can fire you, yeah. terminate you for any reason. That's yep, fair. that's a good point. Forget Just everything. Always be careful that. with your company. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't antagonize the people that are paying you. <laughs> It's not a good idea. Oh, yeah, it's not, a, it's not exactly hard for them to, you know, lay you off and just get someone new. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially in the States. Like, uh, although in the Bay, there seems to be this reluctance to, uh, to let people go with most companies. Some, some are really known for it. Um, but other tech companies that are bigger uh, won't it's like this really unfortunate thing that uh they're not hr gets weird when you're uh looking at potential people that are fishing to get fired basically um so yeah it's this is weird dynamic but it's a at will state if i recall which pike i'm pretty sure you have the best description of how that works but um, oh pretty much like your Worked right, yeah. Uh, see, Nevada, where I work, you can just be fired for anything. Yep. It's like the only clause in there that says that you cannot be fired if you actually put in for like a uh, pretty much any violation as far as like sexual harassment or like OSHA violations. If you make a report for that, they can't fire you as a direct result of that. But honestly, they can fire for anything in my state. Yeah. If you come in like a minute late, that's, that's yeah. Or if they just don't like how your hair looks or just don't like you at all, they can they have all the right to get rid of you. Unless you're unionized or like federal or the state government, that's that's really about it. Yeah. I think that's probably the same for most states, right? Yeah, I can't speak on that. I think uh well, California worked there too. But Washington I think it was also a uh, pretty much you have a uh, right to work as well. It's called right to work, right? Uh I know some states call it something different, but that's how I always knew it. At will state, maybe something like that. Yeah, no, actually, that's the first I heard of it called it being at will. Yeah, like some places refer to at will and they'll have right to work, so it really depends on state. So, for some places, your your right to work is whether or not you have to unionize versus not unionize, and then some places for at will, it's they'll use them interchangeably. So definitely look that up. But advantage in Nevada. They're hurting for tax. That is super bad because Bay Area is trying to come over right here and actually open up infrastructure, and they don't have the workforce to support what they had had in mind. So Tesla is literally importing workers left and right, and then everyone else is looking like Google and Apple are trying to come in. Stop. We need people still. Yeah, they uh, – it's – I think 50% of people that replied to some some survey in the bay were like yeah i'm out in the next year because of the cost of living so um 
Don't blame him. Can we get an idea of numbers? Who in here uses HackerOne? I do. I was going to, and then I got marked as a fucking uh, duplicate again, and I decided to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a question in the chat from Phobia who said, have any of you guys ever had any problems with HackerOne with staff members being shady? So I wanted to wait for ZLZ to get back on here. We have some other people from HackerOne in the chat right now, but I wanted to... Uh, I mean, that's something that probably ZLZ could um, speak to. I mean, as far as submitting bug reports to bug bounty things, it is tough because they're, they have to classify each thing when you do a report. And as Dan just said, like any duplicate stuff will get just tagged, even if you can justify why. It's, it's hard because a lot of it's automated. So there's just a lot of weird stuff that could happen with, um, with reporting bug bounties. And it's just something to look out for. But I will... Definitely want to get DLZ to see that and, and talk, speak to it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know which chat room that was in, but what was the context of the question? Can they like elaborate? Oh, they said something means? about a report that they had. They had a. Uh, it's up in the chat here. Saying that they had so submitted a report to Bug Crowd and I mean not Bug Crowd, uh, Hacker One and can, had an issue. Can you tag me in it so I know which chat room it is? It's it's in the the Twitch chat. It's in the uh, Twitch chat. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I don't, I can't. He said a hacker one staff member tried to screw me over for a report about T-Mobile. <laughs> uh, hmm. What? You should what, probably in, in just take that out with uh with hacker one. Yeah. There's, there's not really anything we can do about that or talk about. Yeah, yeah. but as far as, as being aware of, uh, like I. Doing bug bounty, you have to have pretty decent skills of communicating what you're talking about. So if you, if you have, if you, you know, if English is not your strong suit, or if you just have a hard time communicating, maybe sending something that's too vague or something that's too long, it might um, make it difficult for them to actually parse what you're saying. There's like an art to getting bug reports. Another thing that's key is patience, uh, because a lot of the time if you make reports, you will get duplicates. And I know that's put a lot of people off of the bug bounty community. You know, they'll get a few duplicates and never come back. Yeah. Back, back, you, need, you need patience. <laughs> just kidding. You just need to know that that is always going to happen. But that doesn't mean, you know, quit doing it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I give you credit for having more patience than me, but it's, I'm not sure uh, that's I very hard then. Yeah. Patience is a big one. So I've, I've been doing a lot of the DOD bounties and, Dude, when we're, we're talking in some cases, it's three or four months until remediation or even for someone to come back and say, hey, we tested it and it works fine. What about yeah. a duplicate, though? Like, with six months for to get a reply back that it's a duplicate? That sucks. Like the, I haven't, I have yet to get hit with a duplicate on there just because their scope is literally anything dot mil. So, I mean. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, what? Uh, uh, I mean, that's like a potential income for a lot of people right now. Is... No, 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 that one's not. They don't pay because the government can't legally pay you if you're a non-U.S. citizen or if you're in a sanctioned country. So don't do not do the DoD one if you want to make money. Yeah, don't so DoD's attaboy is just pretty much ways to pad your resume because there's a lot of problems with any government agency's website. Yep. It's stupid. Yeah, the... I got to say, uh, uh, getting getting a few of those under your belt uh, for DOD uh, is great stuff for your resume. That's totally really good stuff. Also for the... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, okay. 
go. I'll, I'll go. Uh, question for the people who um, have been getting the duplicates, because that's been my experience too. Do you, do you have another approach once that's happened? Do you start trying to, instead of go direct to the source, go to other people's bug bounties and maybe try to cash them in there as kind of a, a dependency? Or, hey, maybe you just have this really strong urge to start using it for uh, other reasons while you sit there and wait and watch weeks or months go by without... <laughs> the supposed duplicate getting fixed. I mean, personally, I just shit post on Twitter about it <laughs> angrily. <laughs> but somebody else has to have some other experience on that. I've never hit a duplicate, unfortunately, so I can't really... Um... I've had duplicates, but usually they'll just close them out on me. It's probably different through Hacker One, but like I, I'm talking about direct uh, one-to-ones with uh, bug bounty programs. Oh yeah, no, on, on Hacker One, it's like, oh cool, hey, thanks for this, but somebody else already reported it. We're gonna close this, and sometimes you can say, hey, link me to that supposed duplicate. And depending on the uh, who's running it in the back end, either they'll say, yeah, here you go, here's the link, and you can see it, or oh, this is super private. We don't share anything because privacy of the bounty person uh which is kind of obnoxious <laughs> yeah uh, i think that's great, good advice though a great tip regarding bug bunnies if you're trying to do bug bunnies you know solely for money what i tend to do when i'm you know and I'm, I'm doing them for money is on hacker one it lists publicly disco uh disclosed uh reports that are closed yeah the activity yeah, most of the time I literally just go through them and find bypasses for the fixes. It's easy money. Oh, wow. That's smart. It's also a good way to build your kind of like your repertoire for attacking web apps too. So, you know, even outside of Hacker One, like I've used some of the methods that people put in here just on my own web testing. Yeah. Because obviously, if you're looking at the report and it's been closed, it normally tells you, you know, the activity of what the issue was prior. And sometimes it even shows you what the company itself has said about how they patched it so you know it's quite easy to actually work around it's really smart i, I think hacker one so there's got to be some people listening that are are hiring managers or, or or people that are in positions to hire if uh if you don't work with a bug bounty program already you might want to consider it because things like that being able to get immediate answers on whether it's a duplicate uh being able to read reports that's all stuff that these companies are taking care of for you so consider it also appears to be good money absolutely and one of the things that we want to do soon um we were talking to casey and uh sam from bug crowd trying to get them to come and actually do a whole show on how to get into bug bounty and how so awesome. it actually works because it, it's it's tough when you bug bounty is a newer concept it's not something that anybody is really i mean people are pretty good at them but it's something that you don't just become an expert in over overnight like it's like it's a process of of having the background knowledge of doing actual application security testing or, or any sort of security testing and, and being able to make it so that you can contribute to the body of knowledge and be able to actually help make something more secure. And so I think that they, they have really good knowledge about how to actually do that and how to be effective at it. And I think that, that it's definitely would be something that would be awesome for us to be all be able to listen to and, and learn how it actually works. So 
we try to uh, reach out to them again and uh, say, hey, because it's important. Yeah, I think we should focus on Bug Bunny for uh, for one of these shows coming up soon. That'd be a nice, that'd be a nice show. Yes, absolutely. Because um, I mean, a lot of people here want to get into it too, and like I know people like you know I'll do Bug Bunny stuff and I'll I'll read up the you know what's the scope, what can I actually test, yada yada, and you know I might submit something, get a couple of duplicates, be frustrated at it, and then somebody else and I was like, hey, I just got a thirty thousand uh, dollar Bug Bounty. Prize. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did you get thirty thousand dollars? Like, I'm over here, like, you know, trying to figure out like which subnets I can even like use, and yeah. So it's, and but you it, and uh, you and Six made a good point. It's a new kind of, actually, no, Faith. Uh, yeah, pretty much everybody on here would probably agree. It's a new subculture that kind of came up and is quote disrupting quote. Uh, I used the buzzword. It's disrupting the. Uh, the industry a little bit. I mean, it's it's balancing the tables for sure. I would yeah, say. it's definitely like. But it, but the thing that's cool is that as we are creating this, and as people are able to know what, like, know that it's out there, it'll it'll make it so that people might even aspire to do that and be able to compete in more things like CTF. And actually, like, now that you have the ability to to do this sort of stuff legally and have sort of protections and, and guidelines you can follow, it definitely will increase the amount of people actually trying and learning. Cause one of the hard things is like, you know, when I started doing this stuff a long time ago, I, you know, when I was younger, I was very, very afraid of getting in trouble all the time because of just the fact that there was no infrastructure to protect you. Like if you got arrested for breaking into something, you know, whether it be a phone system or whether it be, you know, uh, you know, network or, or whatever it is, you, there was nothing that you could, there's no, there's no like get out of jail free card, which is like, I think what is important about this stuff is that with CTS and with, um, with bug bounty, we definitely have more of a, a, a better pipeline to do it rather than just straight illegal stuff. Cause if you're coming into this sort of field a couple of years ago and, and you're like, how did you learn how to do binary exploitation? How did you learn how to do this? Like it, you don't think today is like, well, I learned it out in the school. Like you know, <laughs> I've gotten asked that at border crossing <laughs> some right. one, one time. It was not fun. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, I would agree, man. It's it's um, there's a whole tangent that we could go down on that, but the TLDR is uh, bug bunnies have have really kind of made quote like I'm using another buzzword, but illegal hacking uh, legal. Like it really has. Um, you weren't allowed to to fuck with stuff to the extent that we are kind of able to now. Um, Absolutely. Um, no, it's, it, cool. it's good experience. Definitely. And uh, I also want to thank everybody who's listening right now because we're getting towards seven thirty. Um, we might be able to talk a little bit more, but thanks to everybody who's jo- who's joined now. Um, this is the biggest uh, Sunday show we've done so far, and so definitely uh, subscribe because we normally do our talks on Tuesdays. And we are, um, you know, some people can't join us on Tuesdays at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. So we try to do this on Sundays as well. So give us a follow and follow us on uh, Twitter as well, or at Crowd on Twitter. But yeah, just a little plug there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good plug. And actually turning on notifications uh, for the email on Twitch, that's how I knew that we were going on uh, and I wasn't at home so it's it's a good notifier though like it's not gonna spam you i guess 
Yeah. Oh, well, someone just asked how do we join audio. So here's how we do it. Uh, I'll post this again. We have our Discord here. Um, so we do everything through Discord. Um, and if you join here, and I see your, you can message me uh, at you, and I will be able to add you to our voice permissions. So go for it. But yeah, we'd love to have more people coming on to talk. We also, if you have, if anybody here has any ideas for future shows or has something that they want to share, a project um, or technique they've invented or a crazy story to tell, you can absolutely come on. We'd love to have more guests and have different perspectives on stuff. So it is really nice to see people from the chat itself, you know, uh, wanting to come on voice and talk about things. Yeah. We've had people come on from the chat who've never heard the show before, learn about our show, come on and actually contribute to our conversation. And it's been really cool to see people who are just happening on it on Twitch to uh, be able to do it. And actually, Dan Nessler uh, putting you in our podcast. Now, oh, he's in. Totally. Chaos that's involved with it. The chaos factor is fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we Excellent. have quite a lot of people that are coming on, and sometimes there are people who are at like they have the highest gain that you possible on their microphone and are just there to blast us all away. So, but yeah, it's, it's cool because some people here also are you know coming on with you know very very varying uh, setups. We have people who are you know talking on some old Android phone somewhere in uh, you know Australia or India or or wherever and people who are on the latest and greatest gaming PCs who are also talking to us too. So it's cool to see that we can all be together in one sort of centralized location on, on Discord. Just sick. Yeah. I think and I'm waiting right now because I'm just coming here with the Android skull candy set up. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm running one part OE in a, in a hurricane. Really <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's windy here. <laughs> And the reason we know those demographics, by the way, is because of the rootkits that are installed on everybody's machine. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what talking about this. Whoops. Electrons are uh, dump, dead. Dump, Darn it. Hit the dump on. Follow those rootkits. Hey, uh, let's go back to one thing really quick. Um, cert, certificates. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned OSCP, and I got to say, uh, I've started it, and it's it really does rule. Like, OSCP is cheap, too. It's not all that expensive. You can possibly fund it for yourself. Um, so look into it, um, or at least look into resources that, that might uh, explain how the process works, because their uh, their methodology is... I would say the closest to pen testing actual hacking that exists. A great thing yeah, that could possibly fund that for you is um, if you have actually reported a bug to Google before and it's been a valid submission, they actually have a security researcher program now and they're handing out money to people who have actually successfully submitted bugs and they're handing out money so you can, you know, you can fund your, your further research and courses. Oh, holy crap. That's a, uh, that's huge. So can you, can you go into a little more detail about it? Uh, what you know? Uh, it's I, th- I forget what it's called the exact. It's called I think it's the Google Research Fund program or something. Uh, but I know that MOT went through, and you have to have a previously submitted bug that has been accepted to Google, and they will hand you one thousand three hundred thirty-seven dollars to you know to motivate you to continue researching uh, into you know like Google scopes or into to anything really. It's just a, it's just kind of a push to make sure that you don't lose interest 
Interesting. Um, do they offer uh, the OSCP or certs as well, or just the no, just the, the just the funding? Okay, the, yeah, and that lead amount. So, I I'm pretty sure mine was like 800 for OSCP. So, a elite number of dollars will definitely cover it. One three three seven. That's really cool. Yeah, I definitely think that just getting any any way possible to, to pay for something like that is definitely cool. I'm lucky I got to I convinced my employer to do it for me, to pay for it for me, but not everybody's that lucky. But if you show enough of an interest and annoy them with uh, links, even our links from our show notes, just in wherever you can from work and show that you actually care and keep up with security news, you might actually get somewhere with it. So pretty cool. Yeah. I would say also if you're in like a system engineering role already and you're looking to go to security and your job will pay for training, mm-hmm. definitely try to do OSCP for sure. Uh, I actually took an apprenticeship when I was 16. I took an apprenticeship as um, a network analyst um, and they actually funded all my training and courses and stuff. And I ended up getting all my CCNA and stuff from them for free. So if you can get that opportunity, then you should definitely do it. Yeah, yeah, that goes yeah. in, even if it's an unpaid one, do it, because if they pay for your training, or if they give you experience you can put on your resume, it will come back to you, like, it's it's worth the investment. Absolutely, it's, it's actually the cheapest cert of all of them, I, I would say, um, and, and as far as training goes, if you have a training budget, I mean, $800 for the one month thing, which I don't recommend one month, I recommend at least two. But uh, I mean, even a thousand dollars is not a lot comparatively for other trainings that you might do, especially if you're going to some of those fancy trainings like uh, like the black hat ones or, or anything else that are like two, three, five thousand um, dollars. There's definitely good, and as far as like value goes overall, it's definitely that has the highest uh, cost benefit ratio. Yeah, I mean, if you if you even just take it and really make it high level for that certificate alone itself, OSCP versus uh, college, um, college they're not certificates. What the fuck? What word am I looking for? Oh, that's sort of called a degree. <laughs> yeah, degree. <laughs> So that cert called the degree from college, all that book learning you do, it's probably it's probably a better idea to get it. Um, also, it's really funny. Uh, if you take the OCP and you fill out their survey, they send you a Cali Linux shirt, which I got. <laughs> they send you what? I, I, I got a Cali Linux t-shirt, uh, and I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> it, it, it has a cool. dragon on it, and it says Cali Linux, and then it security on the back. I literally feel like I'm wearing like an affliction t-shirt. Like I should like uh, go to the club and like fight people, but it's also like two XL shirts. So I just look ridiculous anyway. <laughs> Are you gonna get a tattoo right there? No, but it's, it it takes the place as a tattoo because it would be where <laughs> it's like a I sh- wonder. So what you're saying is you have a t-shirt as a sweet armband tattoo of a dragon? That's pretty slick. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I would have never thought that I would have ever accepted a gift like this, but it appeared, and I was like, all right. Sure. I wonder if all these normal people that don't know what Kali Linux are when you're walking around with that shirt on. I wonder if they think you're some sort of like badass triad member. Yeah, right. Or or somebody who just is gonna cut them off in traffic in my truck. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. It's kind of funny. Uh, Badass coming through. Yeah, no, I would wear, I'll wear it too, though. Like, I'm totally. Yeah, get it, dude. It'd be sick. Just uh, Defcon can all wear. Regarding t-shirts that you've got from like rewards and stuff, have any of you actually got any t-shirts that aren't, you know, just the generic ones that are actually pretty cool? I got a really cool one from Cyber Reason the other day, or a couple months ago, that was uh, 
solving a puzzle and it said uh it says i went to north korea and all i got was attribution and there's a oh, picture of north korea that's pretty good i like it pretty good <laughs> i like that one <laughs> I, I think swag is definitely a good thing to try to win when you can free swag is best swag has a better story to it Mm-hmm. yeah no doubt um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's about 7.30, so I should probably wrap it up because it's uh, Sunday, or for Australian listeners, it's Monday. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about getting a job before we kind of wrap it up? Or bug bounty, or anything else to talk about? Just uh, don't give up and, you know, keep motivated, because even if things do test your patience, you know, it'll work in the end. That's really good. Yeah, uh, sport interviewing is a thing. Uh, if you really need to psych yourself up for something, just consider it a sport interview. And uh, even if you don't get the job, uh, interview for it and try it. Uh, you might be surprised at how easy it is to get a good job. Oh, hold on. Somebody had actually asked if they could jump into voice, but maybe we can discuss it later. Um, Either way. Yeah, it was Pico. Um, but yeah, we can, I guess, talk in a little bit. Uh, honestly, yeah. it's, it's, it's a game. I'll just give my final kind of didn't listen advice. Uh, it's it's about selling yourself. It really is. At the end of the day, it really is selling your best attributes that are going to help that company or that organization be successful at uh, security. Whether it's red teaming or blue teaming, whatever you can contribute uh, is going to be a selling point. So highlight it. Uh, don't be Ashful, don't as as much as it's easy to say and not uh, follow through with. <laughs> try and get rid of that uh, imposter syndrome, um, and just yeah. consider a sport interview. Just consider you're something you're doing for fun, and you might get a job, and that might take some tension off. Yes, the imposter syndrome thing is another thing that we didn't really mention as much before, but that is huge, um, and it's. Yeah, I, for earlier in the show, if you guys listen to this again, when I repost the the highlight of this, um, you'll be able to hear it. But we definitely, you, I would say that you, most people here know more than 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 they think. Yes. Uh, oh no. I don't see people. Hey, cozy and uh, for you guys, got any uh, fun words? Oh wait, Pico. Oh, where'd you go? Damn it! He left. I'm trying to keep him in here. All right, hey, hi, kid. Um, are you? Damn it! <laughs> Escaping. Pico, hi. Hey. Um. <laughs> so, Stop hi. running away from us, man. Oh right, yo, hey, thank you. <laughs> hi. Um, so what were you going to say? What's right. Up? I didn't want to eat a ton of time. Uh, right quick, uh, like the how do you handle the whole uh, like fifty first date syndrome when you interview with people and like are there any good tips you have for trying to vet your audience? Like it's hard to crawl through your experience, I think, and like try to tailor it to people, especially on the blind. 
I think that the more interviews that you do, the better off you get at summarizing a lot of stuff. When you when you, do, when you start doing your first interviews, when you're trying to get a tech job, it's definitely hard because you're repeating yourself and you share way more information than you should have, and you forget critical details that you should have mentioned oh, when in your rambling. And so then, eventually, as you go through, you're going to realize that you're probably going to screw up like your first ten interviews that you do because you're not going to be able to correctly like articulate what it is that you're interested in and how to read people enough to tell them what you actually can do so i think what it comes down to is just more of like experience it then go through it and don't be afraid to fail and realize that you are talking to people who are interviewing you who are you're only going to see them like usually only once and they're they don't know you from anybody else and so if you embarrass yourself or say something stupid like I've done multiple times, but many interviews, like screwed up big time on answering even basic stuff. Um, definitely, it's it's just a, a, an art, and you have to just kind of go through it and take, you know, what you can learn from it. And then once you start getting better at explaining yourself and kind of having more of like a an executive summary or even like an elevator speech about yourself of like who are you, what do you do, um, you know, a couple sentences that you can just kind of ramble off, then it'll help you to be able to do more high level things like read what the people are who are interviewing you are saying and actually be able to react and tailor what you know about yourself to what they want. That's excellent said. Uh, and, and I'll just add just to highlight something that you, you did already mention, but try and be really succinct with your answers. Um, pile on just enough detail uh, without rambling. And that that's easier said than done. So it's a skill. It's something that you need to hone. And uh, Daniel, Daniel Messler again, I added you again, just letting you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but no, definitely, like, this is all great advice. And we are definitely going to be, I'm going to right now, after we're done with this, like actually finish doing the, the notes we've compiled and put it in show notes. So we'll tweet that out. So don't forget to follow at Crowd on Twitter, and don't forget to follow Hard Chat on Twitch.tv, and we will be back on Tuesday. And I'm not sure what the theme is yet, so we have to figure that out uh, by Tuesday. <laughs> um, and then we can go from there. So we'll be back uh, then. Thanks, guys. Everybody. Can you. See ya. Later. Mm-hmm.